The Sermon on the Mount is probably the most uh, popular or most famous sermon that was ever preached. Jesus preached it, the best preacher ever. And uh, the Sermon on the Mount was a pretty long presentation, but every single verse had an incredible teaching in it. And today I want to take us to the 41st verse of the 5th chapter of Matthew, and I'm entitling, the, the, the message title is, Living in the Second Mile. And I'll try to make that clear in a minute as to what that is, to live in the second mile. Most of us want to spend our time in the first mile. Most of us want to start out and change very little and then get to the point to where we never change again, and we miss second mile living. And so when we look at the Scripture, it comes alive to every single one of us that are really seeking to know what God's will and plan is for our life. Like we were saying to these children a while ago, they're one of a kind. God's got a plan for every one of those lives, and if they don't fulfill that plan, people are going to miss something. God sent you into this world to be a blessing to others. God sent you into this world to be as he is, so we're to be in this life. He was a servant. He was a lover. He was the one that wanted and, and was without sin. He wanted to please the Father. At the same time, he wanted to bless his children. And so today, as you listen, I hope that you will pay very, very close attention because I, I want to start off before I read the text and ask you a couple of questions. Number one... Has anything happened in your life to this point that makes you want to know Jesus better and to have a more intimate relationship with him? Has that come to you yet? Has there enough of God in you that changed enough of you that you say, as he is, I want to be in this world? I can see in something in his life that I don't see in many lives so I would like to be one of those lives that would be living proof of a loving God to a watching world, which is our mission statement. And so I want you to think about that question. Number two, what would it take in your life for you to want to have more knowledge and understanding of God and his word? Would you have to get sick? Would you have to have a relationship broken? Would you have to have death in the family or some catastrophic thing that you didn't have any money, you were poor, you were hungry, you were helpless, you were hopeless in that first mile of life? What would it take for you and me to want to know more about him? So listen to the scripture, and let me just set it up real quickly. Back when Jesus preached this sermon... The Roman soldiers had authority to stop anyone that was around them when they were carrying their backpacks or whatever they, they had down on a journey, wherever they were going, anyone that they wanted to come and carry their load for them, they could call them to come over. And by law, you had to do that. If you didn't do that, you were in serious trouble. So in that point of time, Jesus had to speak to his children about how to handle that law. And here's what he told them to do. He said, if any one of those soldiers ask you or require you to carry their burden, 
one mile. I want you, because you're my kid, to carry it two miles. Now, from that, we have thought through theological circles and, and living life to a certain degree that most of our life is lived in the first mile for most people. But God wants us to live in the second mile. And so if we don't understand what this scripture means and we stay in this first mile all the time, never get out of it to live in the second mile, then we never really discover God's plan for our life. And we live back there where everybody lives. But God wants us to live as his kids where no one can live unless they have God in their life through Jesus Christ. So the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount is not do your duty, but rather do more than your duty. Don't just do what you're told to do. Do what you're told to do, but also do what you want to do to make life better, not for you, but for others. And to go about doing what God wants you to do as Jesus. He said, if it be possible, take this cup from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but Father, thine be done. Are you at that place yet in your life? Have you come to that moment in your life when you're really ready to say, you know, God, it's got to be better than what I've experienced. There's got to be something out there that I haven't gotten there yet. And I want that in my life. I want to have a joy that most of my friends don't have. I want to have a peace that most of my friends don't have. I want to have that which I need to face tomorrow that most of my friends and acquaintances don't have. Have you come to that point? Everybody has to live in the first mile. When you're born, you know, you have to live in the nasty now and now, even if you want to go one day to the sweet by and by. You got to live in the right now time. So, you say, I'm content with that. I'll just take what comes. I'll just live like I live all the time. Or will you stop and say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I am going to listen carefully to how I can get and move into that second mile. You know, anytime, anytime that we begin to major on what my rights are, what I deserve, what I ought to have, rather than what God wants us to have, once we begin to do that, it hurts and breaks the heart of God. Because God is saying to those that are over here in the first mile, I want you to come and I want to put you over here. And I don't want you to do what pleases people. I want you to do what pleases me. And I want to pick you up from the sinking sand, set you on a solid rock, and lead you to be what I put you on this earth to be. Don't let any person stop you from being what God wants you to be. His plan is higher than any man's plan. I'm sure if you knew your grandmother well, grandfather, they had a plan for you. Mom and daddy had a plan for you. Everybody's got a plan for you. You go to school and they have a plan for you. But you know what? God's got the best plan. God knows what he wants to do. He knows where he wants to take you. But rather, 
before you judge people and say, well, they're not righteous, the Bible says before you look at them and talk about all the problems we have in America and all the problems we have in the world, what about your life? Are you one that is helping to solve the problems or are you one that's a part of the problem? Are you caught up in the culture so much that you have become a part of the problem rather than the cure or the solution to take this generation to where it needs to go and where God wants it to be? Can it not be said of us, now be honest with me, most of us are just about like everybody else. Have you ever been in those conversations? Everybody starts going, I don't like this, I don't like that. You like this? No, I don't either. You ever go there? No, I don't. Do you like this team? No, I don't like that team. We have too much of, of this when we need to have it like this. This is first mile living. This is where the good stuff is, as he is. What do you want me to do? Lord, come. Guide my life. Direct me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. That's where God wants to take us. So I've got another question for you. Now, this is a, these are rhetorical questions. You can answer them. Just don't answer them out loud, okay? But what has happened between you and Jesus that changed your life? If you were called upon real quick, somebody said, do you know Jesus Christ? Yeah, well, what did he do to change your life? Well, um, well uh, let's see. I'm, uh, I don't know something. I know he did something. I don't remember what it was, but, but I think it was something. Well, what was it? Can you sing that song, What a Wonderful Change in My Life Has Been Wrought Since Jesus Came Into My Heart? Did your friends notice the difference? Did those that know you the best know you the difference? Did they sense in you, I don't know what got into you? And you can say, I'll tell you what got into me, Jesus. I discovered that God had a plan for my life. I realized that no, none of my friends knew it. My professors didn't know it. My teachers didn't know it. My friends didn't know it. Nobody knew it, but God knew it. And God put me here right now, and this is true of every single one of us, God put us right here on this earth, right now, in his timing. And now he says, I want you to get out of the first mile and go into the second mile. And I want you to get out of this time and go into the future and walk with me and make the impact that I want you to make on your generation for my glory. So again, whatever happened to you that changed your life? Winston Churchill is one of the great personalities of all history. Since I was in high school, I loved to read anything he wrote and said. Not all of what I agree with, but I learned something from almost everything I ever read. One of the things that he said was, he said, personally, I'm always ready to learn, although I do not always like being taught. Now think about that. One more time. I'm always ready to learn, but I do not always like being taught. You know, sometimes we hear the truth and rather than setting you free, it puts you in bondage. You say, oh, it snatched me. I wanted to do this and now I can't do that anymore. The Lord didn't work like that. You can't do that. He says, no, I'm going to give you a better place. I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to put you where I wanted you to be because you've been struggling down there where the, everybody's doing it, and I need you to come up here where I pick those that I want to lead people into the joy of knowing me as their Lord 
and their Savior. So I'll ask you a question. It's even simpler than that. What did you do this week that only a Christian would do? If somebody were to just ask you that question, say, okay, we're going to take five minutes, write down a piece of paper. What did you do that only a Christian could do? I could give you some suggestions. One is, if you introduce Jesus to somebody this week, of your friends, you can't do that if you don't know him. You can't introduce somebody that you don't know. You have to know him. Now I want you to meet Jesus. I want you to meet my new Lord. I want you to meet my new Savior. I want you to experience what I have experienced since Jesus came into my life. While I was wallowing down there in that first mile. By the way, if any of you are fixing to get your driver's license or you've just got your driver's license, you need to tell the rest of us because we need to stay away from you just a little bit further because as the insurance people who is most likely to have a wreck? And it's those that just get their license. I was that way. Your mom and daddy was that way. And you're that way. We ought to make, put a sign up, you know, I just got my license. You could probably clear the freeway when you went out on it, you know. You could really have a good time. But, you know, whenever the Lord comes into our life and begins to build strength, and the longer we serve him, the sweeter he grows, then day by day, it's easier for us to share our faith. It is easier for us to share the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord has now become the strength of your life. And where once you were weak, now you're strong. When what is now Judge Kavanaugh was going through his horrible interrogation in Washington, I began to think back, here's a life 38 years before He might have been at a party he shouldn't have gone to if he'd have think it over again. He said, maybe I shouldn't have gone then. If I'd have had more sense, I wouldn't even been there. There wouldn't even be anything coming up before me. I shouldn't have even been there. But you know something? Now listen to me. Don't ever make anything possible if you don't want it to happen. Did you hear what I said? Don't make it possible. The Bible says abstain from all appearance of evil. If you'll find out where it's, it's most likely that you're going to get in trouble, stay away. Stay away. And then God begins, you see, begins to use you more and more because he puts you where he wants you to be. He has you doing what he wants you to do, and you get the blessings that only other people can dream about because when you meet Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I was seven years old. I began to tell all my friends about Jesus, and the best I could as a seven-year-old. And every time one of them got saved and born again, I rejoiced. Because I was the one that got to bring them to the student group. I was the one that began to talk to them about Jesus. I didn't belittle them. I didn't try to beat up on them. But I tried to take them where I was taken myself when Jesus Christ came into my life. And that's second mile living. That's what you're wanting to go for and go towards. People say, well, you're a Christian. Yeah, I pay my bills. I work hard. I provide for my family. I drive the speed limit. I don't steal. I don't tell a lie. I don't kill anybody. And look at here. I came to church today. That's not what it's all about. It's about a continual living where you day by day rest in the arms of God. God says, I will take you out of that first mile. I will hold you in my arms. I will carry you when you can no longer walk. 
I will lead you in the path of righteousness for my name's sake, and I will make sure that you accomplish my will for your life. And no weapon, this is a scripture, no weapon that's formed against you will prosper because this is the inheritance of the children of God. So when you get that in your life, you can move out to where God wants you to go in the power of his might and you will enjoy second mile living. The joy is in the second mile. The joy is when you find out the lottery does not meet your needs. Your God supplies your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And you don't have to stand in line to get it. What you do is you get out there where the joy is, where the blessings are, where the power is, the power of God flowing through you. Well, what are some examples of bearing the cross, denying yourself, being crucified with Christ? How do you fulfill this teaching? The way you do it is simply be obedient to the day-by-day leadership of God in your life. Just let God be God and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to get my instructions from your word, not from anything else. I am going to do what you tell me to do, and I am going to go on the battlefield against Satan, or I'm going to come and watch a beautiful baptismal service like we've watched. This Pickering family goes back to the beginning of this church. The beginning, their grandfather, I was their pastor, taught me some of the greatest things. He was an attorney and a judge and on and on and a practical guy. And he's given me so many ideas. And that's been before most of you were ever born. But now, the grandchildren, that's the second mile. That's what it's all about. How we're able to see God take our families to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Whenever the second mile comes up as an option, you just want to stop and say, I'm about wore out. I think I'll just stop and rest till I die. No, 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 keep going, keep going, keep going. One day at a time, one hour at a time, one minute at a time. Keep going, keep going. People get upset today when they're told by God, You want to live in the second mile? Start praying. You want to live in the second mile? Start giving. If you want to live in the second mile, start serving. If you want to live in the second mile, start being an encourager. If you're going to live in the second mile, start being positive instead of negative. Start congratulating instead of criticizing. Move into this. But you have to move into it under the power of God. Because we can't do those things without God's help in our life. So this second mile is something to be desired for every single one of us. When the question is asked a little later, six verses later, I referred to it earlier, but I want to make this real clear. What do you do more than others? That's what Matthew 5, 47 And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? 
What do you do? You say, only a Christian would do that. Only Christians tell other folks how to become a Christian. Only Christians give to others, wanting others to use their life to glorify God. What do you more than others? That question will plague you as you walk with God. It will come on your mind morning, noon, and night. When you're a teenager, young adult, middle adult, senior adult, you say, Lord, are you through? Are you finished? Or what would you do right now with my life that only you can do? That's when you start giving more than is required, serving more than is necessary, not just trying to keep the law, but you get under grace and you say, I'm going to serve God day by day. Luke 12, 48 says, for everyone to whom much is given from him or her much is required. Some of you have been given more talent than others. We can't all sing like this beautiful singing today. We cannot all be star athletes. We cannot all be the, the, the epitome of any vocation. But there's some things we can all do. Every single day we can praise God from whom all blessings flow. Every single day we can ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do? I'll do it if you want me to. If the Lord says, take a break. Take a break. But if he says, do it, then he'll give you the power to do it. And it'll be the best day of your life. In Micah 6, 8 in the Old Testament, it says, what does the Lord require of you? And here's what it is. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Listen. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And then watch what he decides to do. So here's my question now. Can you honestly say, I do not want to spend my life seeking after things and being like everybody else? Or is your question, Lord, what would you have me to do? The good stuff is what God has planned. The bad is what Satan has planned. Always give more than is required of you. How many of you work with people, say we work 8 to 5, and said 5 o'clock, boss, you know, I really don't have anything to do today. I know I'm off the clock, but I'd like to stay another hour. Now, I guarantee you, if you want to get rid of your boss, tell him that, and he'll probably drop dead with a heart attack. Right then, you'll have another boss when you come back on Monday. You see, it's when you do more than is expected. It's where the good stuff is. It's where you're willing to give up your seat, even at church, for somebody else to sit there, much less the ball game. It's when you get into that world where you say, I want to make you a success. I want you to be the most popular person in school. I want you to be the one that gets the blessing. And I want to be the giver of that blessing because I've learned it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's second mile living. And that's where my desire for you, and I think God's desire is for you to go. So, you got a choice. You can live in the security of this world's prosperity. Many did when the depression came and all their, all their savings went like that. You can spend all your time doing that. You can spend all your time buying lottery tickets. And your chances of that happening is into the billions. 
But you can do that. That's your choice. You can choose anything you want to do. And I can choose what I want to do. But you know what? The consequences are already out there based on the choices you make. When you make a choice to get out of this first mile and live in the second mile and follow Jesus, it'll be the greatest moment of your life. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly is what Micah says in the 6th chapter and verse 8. And you know what? That Luke passage in Luke 12, 48 says, For to everyone that much is given, much is required. I'm looking right now of some of the most gifted people on the planet. If you're a healthy American and you today can get up and walk out of here in a few minutes, we are so blessed. I've been all over this world. I've seen things that I can hardly keep from crying just to reflect back on things that were 20 years ago. God has blessed us in an incredible way. And for us to be able to be here, and I don't care what side of the political arena you're in, this is not what I'm talking about. But I do know this, that every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. I do know this, you don't want to ever stop where you are. Don't be who you are today 20 years from now. Be what God wants you to be 20 years from now. But you can't be that if you don't be what you can do today. You start where you are and move forward. If you don't believe that, talk to the people that own Hobby Lobby. Talk to that wonderful green family that had nothing, nothing, and gave 50% of their income to the Lord when they had little of nothing. And last year, Gave away almost $1 billion to causes around the world to help people to think about the goodness and the grace of God. That's what Second Mile Living is all about, is just do what God wants you to do. You may not always have good health. You may not always have significant influence. You can be forgotten very, very easily. I am watching almost on a daily basis the heroes of most of my peer group when I was in Pasadena High School. And I'm watching their obituaries come across the television. And most of those heroes of 1958 are dying from all kinds of suicide and horrible things and what happened. And I can remember when my high school class wanted to be like them. And their life destroyed them. It destroyed them. But when you get in that second mile, you don't ever look back to that first mile. You learn to live that song of childhood every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Jesus is saying, just learn to live in the second mile. I'm going to give you three things. Number one, all of us have an obligation to go the first mile. Hey, you got you to get up in a minute, okay? You're going to have to turn to the person next to you, shake them, say it's time to get up. You're going to have to face some things that you don't want to face. I went through a stack of cards this tall today of the people that died a year ago. We took a man to the hospital a few moments ago from the first service who's just buried his wife. And there's a serious situation in our early service. We don't know what another day's going to bring. But I tell you what we do know. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. 
We know God's got a plan. We know God's got a purpose. He's still searching. He hadn't found all that he needs. He needs you, and he needs me. All of us have to do certain things. We have to pay our bills, pay our taxes. We have to do all that kind of stuff. And the second thing I want you to remember is you, you got to come to the end of this mile before you can go into the second mile. We all start here as sinners. Those kids will not have to be taught to be bad. They came that way. They'll have to be taught to do good. But we keep on moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. And when God says, do this, yes, Lord, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. I want to go where you want to take me. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. I want it. I want to get there. Lead me to the mate to spend my life with. Lead me to the vocation I should pursue. Help me to know right from wrong. Protect me from the evil one. On and on. And God said, I will, I will, I will. But you've got to get into this second mile. You have to get through that first one. God makes the promise. He says, it's what I'll do. Then we make the choice. I'll follow you or I'll do my own thing. And by the way, if you're one of those that's always going to do what everybody's doing, you will never make the right choices. Never, never, never. If everybody's doing it, it's not the right. It's the narrow way all through the Bible. Narrow, narrow way. But the world's way is the way of destruction. In Malachi 3.10, the Bible says, Bring all the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings, that there shall not be room enough to receive. That's a promise from God. Many, many have discovered that promise to be exactly that. 1 Corinthians 15.58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And then the third one, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way it should go. When it's old, it'll not depart from it. It's getting from the world's way of doing it to God's way of doing it. Raise your children God's way. Pick your life's mate God's way. Pick your vocation God's way. Pick your things that you want to spend most of your time doing, let God pick them. Do it God's way, not your way. The greatest blessings are found in the second mile, not the first mile. Matthew 16, 25 says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoso loses his life for my sake, you will find it. You will find it. The man that lives totally, or woman that lives totally for number one, will never, ever, ever be happy. Never. It's when you move from you to others. Jesus came for others. Jesus did not come to this earth so we would remember him 2,000 years later as the greatest man that ever lived. He came to save others. He gave himself for others. He left the glory of heaven, the only begotten son of the God that created the universe and came to this earth that you and me could be born again. What a mighty God we serve. 
No wonder songs like How Great Thou Art will live for infamy. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Hey, you don't have to sign up. You don't have to buy a ticket. You just have to say, speak, Lord. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I'm in the first mile. I want to get in the second mile. Lord, take my life and let it be totally consecrated unto thee. Never, ever will God fail you. The happy people or the second mile people. Now the choice is up to you. I want to give you in the next two minutes six things for you to think about as you go home in just a moment. The first thing I want you to know if you're here for the first time or if you come every week the first thing I want you to know is that God made you to live with him now and forever that was his plan when he put you here number two our sins separate us from that God that's the blockage you got to get past the sin to get the glory of God and it's with his blood that washes it and cleanses us from all sin number three Sin cannot be removed by doing good deeds. I was a Boy Scout. I was glad to be a Boy Scout. I loved Girl Scouts when I was a Boy Scout. <laughs> but let me tell you, that's not where I got the good stuff from. It all came, not from doing good deeds, but by grace through faith. It was a gift of God, not of works, lest an Eagle Scout boast. It was by grace. Number four, you say, I can't afford it. We can afford lottery tickets, but you can't afford to get the gift of salvation. It's absolutely free. And your chances of winning are 100%. Everyone gets saved. Everybody gets saved. Everybody gets saved. And if you'd win a billion dollars and you had to say, going to keep my billion or do I want to go to heaven? I'd make my call real quick. I'll take the free gift of eternal life. That's what I want to do. Let the others fight over the billion. I'm going to go to be with the Lord and my family in heaven. Jesus paid the price. Number five. Everyone who trusts in him, everyone who trusts in him and him alone will have eternal life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the scripture says, shall be saved. And number six, life with Jesus can start right now and last forever. In 15 minutes, we'll be scattered everywhere. 15 minutes. But in the next few moments, in the next few moments, you can make a decision that will change your life forever. In the next few moments, you could slip out of your seat as we're going to be making our way out of the building. You can go out in that foyer, and as Zach tells you every week, there is that beautiful connection center. It's a hotel lobby, private, confidential. There are people there to pray with you, to help you understand what it means to get out of the first mile and get into the second. 
It's a gift. It's a gift. And it is open to you. And all you have to do is receive it. And so as we draw this time to a conclusion, and we pray that God will bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and to give you peace, but you're not going to have any peace until you received his gift of salvation. And it's waiting for you. There's plenty of grace for everybody. You don't have to win and be lucky. You can get saved because you're smart. And you're using the heart that craves for God and the mind that seeks after God to follow him.